Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. You're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. My name is Eric Skrzynski. I'm a co-host and the producer of Build Your Network with Travis Chappell. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the value of teams. And we have three incredible guests that we're going to be pulling some amazing interview snippets from for this episode. First up is Joel Manby. He's an author, speaker, and 25-year corporate CEO for companies such as Saab, Hershen Family Entertainment, and SeaWorld. During his tenure, Joel focused on implementing leadership principles guided by love. He's also written the book, Love Works, which is founded on seven timeless principles of agape love. These principles can be applied to every organization. Next up is the co-founder of Solcius, Brian Jackson. He has founded the seventh largest residential solar company in the world. And last but not least is Roland Frazier. He's the co-founder and principal of three current Inc. Magazine fastest growing companies and has founded, scaled, or sold 24 different seven to nine figure businesses ranging from consumer products to industrial machine manufacturing companies with adjusted sales ranging from $3 million to $337 million. You guys are not going to want to miss one second of this episode. Remember, if you appreciate anything on today's episode, and I mean anything, be sure to take a screenshot and tag Travis on Instagram with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, guys, let's get into the show. 
great leadership is great leadership. And I'm not, I'm not saying I was a great leader necessarily. I, I think I became one over time through a lot of mistakes and hard work. But the big thing about senior leadership is, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you're so focused on growing your own portfolio and kind of your own results. We all are. But then you get into your early 40s and I, I started worrying more about the people working for me and developing their careers. And when you get to that mindset, it multiplies. You can grow faster. You delegate faster. You can. That's how these CEOs build these huge companies. They can only do that through delegation and giving people a lot of a lot of rope. And that's a skill that's learned. So that was transferable. But the biggest thing I learned at Hershend that's applicable to this conversation: the auto industry was a cutthroat, autocratic, dog eat dog kind of business world. And of course, that's you know, thirty years ago, a lot of things have changed. But I felt that whole time, Travis, this angst inside, knowing there has to be a better way to lead. You've got to be able to get results without treating people like General Motors was treating people at the time. So the biggest thing I learned was you didn't have to lead like I was taught in the auto industry. And Jack Hershend actually taught me the methodology of leading with love, which I know sounds really soft. It's not. It's actually agape love. It's a verb. It's how you treat people, not how you feel about them. And so we literally paraphrase seven words of agape love. And we taught our leaders to love the guest, love other people. And it created this unbelievable culture. And we outperformed every theme park company and the regional sector financially but we also had low turnover, high engagement scores. And just, it taught me so much that finally, and I was literally 42 years old by now. Finally, I found the answer to how you can treat people well, get great results and grow a company quickly. So in hindsight, I'm so glad I made that shift out of automobiles because I became a much, much better leader. How much of your ability to lead your the skill sets that really took you throughout your career? How, how much of that skill set development do you attribute to relationships with mentors like Jack Hershen? I think almost all of it. Or if I include my parents, you know, my parents taught me my values. My parents taught me to treat people kindly. My mother, you know, she taught me one thing, which is every time you come into contact with someone, you can make their day better or make their day worse. And why not make their day better? And it's such a simple concept, but she taught me that and how she treated other people. So the answer is, I completely agree with your philosophy and what you're about. And that, especially for the kind of person you want to be, I think to be great in business is, is both who you know and what you know, but who you know shapes who you are. And that's really what makes you successful. So Don Hudler is the guy who gave me that opportunity at Saab, that promotion from Saturn to Saab. And then Jack Hershend, he took me from a good leader to a great leader. But there's another thing that I think might be helpful to your listeners. You know, so often in the United States anyway, we kind of act like the CEO should be the know-all and do-all and the, the person who has to have all the answers. And the bigger the company gets and the higher you go up in the company, the less and less you know about all of its aspects. So you have to learn to listen, to get the facts and delegate. But for me, it even multiplied because I went from autos to theme parks as the CEO. So I knew nothing about theme parks. So it amplified that. I actually became a better leader when I went into an industry that I did not know because I listened better. I asked tough questions. I didn't take anything for granted like I did in the auto industry. So I would encourage people, if you're smart and aggressive and you learn, 
you can really run a lot of different things because you learn to, I would call it the Socratic method of leadership versus autocratic. Automobiles, it was autocratic. Come to me, I have the answers. Let's get it done. I'm not saying that's negative, but it only takes you so far and it only takes you to a certain size company. If you really want to go to the next size or the next level in leadership, I think Socratic type question answering is really important. I actually do go into that quite a bit in the book about how to do it and how to think about it, how to ask questions last in meetings, don't talk first because then you don't get the truth and things like that. So You know, I I would say it's both who I met, but also the fact that Jack took me into a brand new industry, gave me the CEO job. So I was forced to listen to his employees, which was pretty smart. I think he knew uh, he had great employees and I needed to shut up and listen. (laughs) Yeah. And that a good leader recognizes that that in you to be able to jump in as a CEO and take advice from all the people that technically report to you says a lot about who you are and your character to be able to jump into a situation like that because there's a lot of ego in the world. You know, I've asked that who you know or what you know question to every guest that's ever come on the show. And that answer that you just gave, Joel, is is one of the most unique ones we've ever gotten, which is it's not even about reverse engineering the success that you want or the career or the position or the title that you want. It's about reverse engineering who you want to be. And who you know is definitely the thing that shapes who you are going to be the most, especially comparatively to just the knowledge that you gain or the wisdom that you can apply into the position that you're in. So really, really appreciate that insight there. And I appreciate you noticing that because I, I, I've listened to some of your podcasts and I do know that I agree with that. Reverse engineering from what you want to do is critically important. But I would argue if you have all that and you're not the right kind of person by surrounding yourself with high quality high integrity, smart people, it will only take you so far. And so I'm very fortunate to have great friends and great mentors that have taught me the right thing. Now, I've made a ton of mistakes and I've I've had some really bad points in my life, like flat on my back, depressed, you know, ready to check out. So I don't want to paint this picture that it's always been great. And, you know, I, I do talk about that more in the book, just people want that story because I think too many times CEOs like me come on, you know, it's always a highlight reel and, you know, no one's been alive for 60 years like I have without a, a, some really heavy low light reels that I just want to make sure I make that point. Now, you have obviously done a, a killer job, which is something that I really respect about what you've been able to do at building teams. It's such a valuable skill set to be able to build teams of people that are congruent, that are on the same path, that have the same objective in mind. And it, it really is uh, says, says a lot about your leadership ability and your ability to build those teams. You've done it in your business several, it sounds like. And then you've also been able to cultivate relationships with people like Kelly that you're talking about. So do you think that you should separate a business or professional relationship and a personal relationship? Or do you think it's just all about building relationships and being friends with people? And then the people that you're in business with, you just happen to share that common interest. I think the best relationships are able to have a bit of both where you work together and you enjoy working together. So you can have a relationship outside of work too, a friendship relationship. That's what I've seen. You know, the, you asked the question, I've been successful at building teams. I think part of the reason that is, is because I really try to cultivate leaders mm. within my teams. And so something just unique, I'll just tell you that we do at Solcius, and I feel like I have a very close relationship with every one of my VPs mm-hmm. that oversee multiple teams underneath them. Each week we get together and we do our sales leadership meeting. Mm-hmm. But part of that meeting is, is that we read a book every single week. 
you know, the, the top CEOs read 48 books on average per year. So we read a book a week, we get together as a team and we review the book and we talk about the principles that are taught in that book together. And we talk about how we're going to apply that to the leadership of our teams and the leadership at Solsius. Hmm. And what I've seen as a result that has happened is, with that is that we get real with each other. Yeah. We have deep conversations where everybody knows the other person very well and where they're coming from. And as a result, I have better leaders. I have better leaders that create great culture within the organizations that they run. Right. And then we enjoy hanging out together after work. I just went to Maui with Jared Hallows, who's one of my VPs this past January, and, and went with he and his wife and had an incredibly fun experience and developed developing that relationship. Did the same thing, or I, you know, I go down whenever I travel and I go out and I'm training, I typically stay with the guys that, that are my leaders so that I can really get to know their family and where it is that they're coming from. So I believe that a great coworker can also be a great friend. Man, that's a fantastic way to segue this conversation into the last round here. That's a good thing to leave in people's minds. Sounds like I need to be one of your VPs, bro. I've been about me. We'd love it. I, we're, we're, uh, we're, you'd be, we'd challenge you, but you would definitely, your leadership skills would be developed. And not all, you're already a great leader. I can tell that just by speaking with you today. I can see that in you. And we have fun together for sure, learning together. When you, when you talk with someone, and you are processing what they're saying through the filter of your, of your perception and your current level of understanding, if you find what they say resonates and seems to fill a gap, then that's something that you admit to the level of from, from perception to consideration. And then you consider it, and then you make the conscious decision, is this something I'm going to admit into my model, or is it not? And I, I think that helps because then you're not, you're processing quickly whether this is something that will be, that you believe will be of additional value to you. And then you just, you make a conscious decision of whether that's going to go and become a part of your model or it was just more information that you heard. And as far as the decision thing, I think you've, you know, it's, I don't know the, the best, I've read lots and lots of decision theory and I think it's really interesting to study. I believe that you're better to make Colin Powell, I think, said it probably best. He said, if you have 70% of the information that you need, that you think you need to make a decision, make it because the other 30 won't make much difference and it will cause you to miss out on opportunity. But if you have less than 70, then you're probably going to make a decision that is flawed because you didn't have enough information. Yeah, that's super great advice. I'm definitely going to have to write that down somewhere so I don't forget about that. <laughs> and, and and really, really, what and when you're saying to look at you know the decisions that you would make in that situation, you're really talking about will this affect my life in a positive way based on the values that I have set aside for how I want to live. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and that's a really excellent point because you you if you you have to understand that everyone's world makes sense to them in their own worldview. And so things might not make sense to you, which means either you have a conflicting worldview and, and there need to be, there needs to be an er interpretation or an interpolation between the data they're giving you and how it might apply or fit in your world. But, but that, that awareness that, you know, which I learned first from, was it, uh, 
Bandler and Grinder in, in the neurolinguistic programming series that they wrote those seven books, mm. that, that the map is not the territory. So the map, we each have a map in our heads of how we believe reality in the world to be, but it's not the actual reality. And the truth is no one can ever know the actual reality. So mm. all yeah. we have is our perception of it and it, hopefully an understanding, you know, like it's like Plato, Plato's shadows on the wall, right? Yeah, right. You know, we're only seeing the shadows. Sure. We don't know what the real thing is because we never really get to turn around and see. So we're all dealing with various levels of the shadows that we perceive of what reality really is. And so if someone has something that that you think can enhance your vision then you know your, or your perception of reality or your ability to interpret and deal with reality or yeah. a particular situation then that's something that you you advance to the consideration phase yeah, I love that. And, and obviously, this is a conversation that we could take really, really deep, really, really fast. <laughs> but in an effort to save a little bit of time here, uh, let's let's shift the conversation a little bit and talk a little bit about our relationship building and uh, connections. And I know that this is obviously something that's um, found itself to be true in your life throughout the multiple successful ventures that you've had. How would you rate on a scale of one to 10, the importance of building high quality relationships in your life? I mean, I think it's everything. I think that it has a lot to do with your happiness, that, you know, your, your choice of your spouse, your choice of your business partners, your choice of your friends, all of those things are going to have dramatic impacts on your level of success financially and, you know, emotionally happiness wise. So I think it's, it's absolutely critical. What, what are a few things that you've done personally in your career that have enabled this this aspect of your life to be maybe just a little bit easier, maybe, maybe just things that were not ever taught in college, things were not taught in high school that, that are all about how to build relationships and connections with people who you never thought you were able to build connections or relationships with. How, how do we go about doing that? In the, to, to, like, how do we change a couple of things that we're doing right now that would make it easier for us to be able to build those relationships? Yeah, great question. I, I think that it's, it really goes back to what I said before. If you believe that, that everyone has something of value to offer, then the converse of that is that you have something of value to offer everyone as well. And so um, then you add to that a level of, of, even though I believe that I have value that I can add, the value is not perceived to be great unless it's solicited. So hmm. if you have, if you see something going on, you're, let's say that you're in a course, all right? You're in a course uh, online to learn something. And there's something that you're like, ah, you know, that could probably be done a little bit better. Well, I think if you reach out and offer that unsolicited, it's probably not going to be received in the best way. Whereas if someone is asking for feedback and you are there to give the feedback, then that will be perceived in a better way. So that, that corollary of, you know, I, I think that, from an ego standpoint and a self-worth standpoint, if you believe everybody else has something of value to offer, although it's your job to discover what it is, you can also believe that you are worthy of offering value to other people. Then if, you're, if you believe that you're worthy of offering value to other people, which is a whole self-esteem thing that a lot of people have a challenge with, you say, okay, well now I'm not going to force that on anyone, but when I have the opportunity to help people, I am. So then you reach out and rather than saying, hey, you know, you can do these six things better, which won't be received well generally by most people, you say, is there anything that I can do to help you? Now, 
I've found like nobody taught me that, but I have determined that the most Machiavellian manipulative thing that you can do in life is help other people. And that's really cool because then that manipulative side isn't actually bad, right? You know, you're, you're giving value and why are you giving value? Well, ideally you're just giving value for, for the giving value stake, but it also will have the ancillary benefit of causing other people to want to do things with you, you know, just read Cialdini and his theories on reciprocity and influence. Right. So that's, that's kind of cool. And when I learned that I was like, this is amazing. So I can actually just say to everyone, is there anything I can do to help you? And then if I actually follow through, because most people don't, most people who say that say it like when you say, you know, hey, how you doing? You don't really care what the response on the other side is going to be. But if instead you take action immediately on it and they say, you know, oh, well, it'd be great. I'd love to meet so-and-so. And And you're like, you know what? Let me see if anybody knows them or if I know them, let me text you together with them right this instant. Then that just multiplies your perceived value in your network a thousand times, which then helps you to be a very networked person, increases your social capital. And then when you tap your social network to ask for something, they all want to help. And that's just amazing. And and it's cool because nobody loses in that deal. Like there's no win-lose there. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.